Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. So malls are in serious trouble, a lot on life support. Others have already died. A small number of malls, maybe somewhere 7 to 10% of malls have a real future as a mall. And you think about what malls have been about. They've been about brand name clothing and other brand name items Uh, There used to be these things called department stores. Uh, You might have to look in uh, an online encyclopedia to know what a department store is. I know I'm exaggerating, but come on. Department stores are irrelevant now. So what do you do if you're a brand name? You feel like you have to go into business for yourself. And that's why there are these outlet centers on the edges of metro areas and in tourist areas all over the country. And so you go to these things, and it'll be brand name this, brand name that, brand name the other. But there's something that is a dirty little secret of shopping at these outlet centers, and that is the merchandise at the outlet centers, overwhelmingly, even though it has the same brand name, is not the same merchandise that would be sold in one of the few remaining malls or in one of the few remaining department stores or in a non-outlet outlet, non-outlet center store of that brand. And the, the manufacturers typically will have a secret code on their clothing labels that identifies for their employees or if you try to sell on one of the second-hand sites, uh, brand name goods or designer labels, there's a labeling system that tells them that it was merchandise that was never top-drawer stuff, that it was always specifically designed for a factory outlet center. And the crazy coupon lady who's so good at this stuff, that's really what she calls herself, her blog is the crazycouponlady.com, crazy spelled with uh, K, K-R-A-Z-Y, has a guide telling you for each brand how you could tell at a factory outlet of the major brands whether an item is a first-grade garment or a second-grade that was specifically made from the original design to be a lower-quality stitched item lower quality fabric, lower quality overall item to hit a lower price point for a factory outlet. Uh, Just to give you examples, Banana Republic puts three stars on an item 
just below the name Banana Republic on the tag. Um, Kate Spade has its own special symbol that's different for an outlet item than it is for otherwise. Gap does three squares on its tags that lets someone know that it is something that was always made for an outlet. And then when you go to a Ralph Lauren store, Ralph Lauren, however you like to say it, the way they do uh, the word Lauren or Lauren, however you like it, um, tells you that the item was an item specifically made at lower quality to be in a discount outlet. It goes on like that. If you want to know for brands you love how to spot the top items versus the ones that are designed from the ground up to be lower quality, again, check out the crazycouponlady.com. Barry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Barry. Good afternoon, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely, Barry. How can I be of service to you? Well, my wife and I have worked hard, and we've gotten to the point where we've retired, and we can go snowbird in the winter. And uh, so we'll be away for starting next year, two to three months. And some of the places are just farther than we want to drive. So we were thinking, you know, I know I can rent a car for a week or two, or you can lease a car for a year or more, but what's the best way to rent a car for two to three months? So I can tell you this backwards and forwards because I don't know if you ever heard me say, but my oldest brother and his wife spent four years traveling the world, a lot in the United States and overseas, and they were in places for months at a time and he learned the only smart way to do it was to rent a vehicle a month at a time or four weeks depending on the country take that vehicle back and immediately get another one and so does that hold for the u.s also yes okay yeah so one factor is your own automobile insurance Mm -hmm. may limit you to uh, temporary use of a rental car that would be covered often 28 or 30 days. So that's one of the reasons why people who are snowbirds will rent a car. If they stay away three or four months, they rent three or four different vehicles. Mm-hmm. And they keep, okay. they keep cycling through them that way. In addition, you know, I like for you to have backup insurance coverage from a credit card And depending on the credit card, you have backup coverage for a rental car for 14, 15, 28, or 30 days, depending on the car rental coverage that each credit card that offers that may have. So you kind of align these things. What your own automobile insurance will cover you for, what's the cap of days of rental, and what your credit card or cards may cap you at, you line up the best you can find with each, and that controls the cycle of rental. Now, let me give you a couple of other suggestions. Have you okay. ever heard me talk about Turo or Get Around? No, I've not heard of that. Turo and Get Around are services where people rent out their own cars. And you have insurance provided by Turo or Get Around as part of renting through them and you may depending on local conditions where you're renting 
you may be able to find a cheaper deal doing that. But I also, for a multiple month stay, I have another idea. And that is because of an internet service called UShip. You ever heard me talk about UShip? Yes. So with, uh, and for other people who aren't familiar, it's spelled the letter UShip.com. You may be able to move your own vehicle cheap enough with UShip for a multi-month stay that you, instead of having to drive it, you have UShip move it and you just put it out for bid and see how cheap it is. And then you don't have to drive your car to your Snowbird location. You are having somebody else deliver it for you. And then you have your own vehicle and you don't have to rent one. That sounds very interesting also. The first option you gave about renting it for 28 to 30 days, would that be through a standard car rental agency? Exactly. Okay. All right. Exactly. Well, so, I mean, I, I, I know I gave you a lot of choices, so I hope one of those will end up being the best for you. We may even hear from somebody else, Barry, who has a better idea how to do a multi-month rental of a vehicle. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. So, John, are you an optimist or a pessimist? I try to be optimistic, but sometimes the, the negative side gets to you. But overall, I'm positive. Well, that's great. So how can I serve you today? I was looking at my FICO score on two different credit cards. And I first looked at one, and it's at 803. And uh, that's actually a little lower than it's usually. So I went on another card. And it said it was 832 and seemed like quite a difference. And I just wondered, how, how does that happen? Okay, so there are two explanations. One of them is that one of the two credit cards may be using the Vantage scoring system instead of the FICO scoring system. Do you know what Vantage is? No. Uh-uh. Okay. So Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian hate FICO because FICO has had a near monopoly on the credit scoring that lenders use to make loans. So Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian formed a new company that they own jointly that produced this new scoring system called Vantage. And they're trying to get Vantage adopted by lenders and push FICO to the side. The Vantage scoring model uses slightly different factors to score you than FICO does. And so you could have one credit card company giving you a a FICO and another giving you a Vantage. And that would be one possibility. The second possibility is both of the scores, the 803 and the 832, could both be FICOs, but one of them could be relying on a credit report from one bureau and the other a credit report from another bureau. So you don't um, don't have a FICO score. You have a ton of FICO scores. And the reason is is that you're always going to have at least three because what each credit bureau has on you, their files will vary on what they show about you. Then then the second factor is lenders can use different FICO versions 
because FICO has multiple versions of scoring models as they learn new ways of doing things, or it could be a specialized one. Like you have a FICO score for buying a car that would be different than the FICO score you have for getting a credit card, which would be different than the FICO score for getting a mortgage. So, so all, you, range all you want to worry that, about is your range. If you're yeah. at 803 and 832, your first digit being an 8, you're what they call in the, in the banking industry a golden borrower. You're the lowest risk kind of borrower. Anytime you're above 780, uh, some lenders would say 760, you're pretty much the lowest credit risk available for a loan. And when you go above 800, whatever, you're fine. Well, that's good to hear. The only bad news is that I'm usually lower than my wife. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, if she's close to 850, she's obviously a perfect individual, and you married up. That is true. I tell her that. Well, great. So I hope that clears it up. And go look at those two credit cards again. They will disclose to you, in under the, where they gave you the score, they'll disclose to you whether they're using Vantage or FICO. Or their own. they could even be using their own proprietary made-up system for coming up with a score like uh, Credit Karma does. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. I enjoy your program an awful lot. Thank you, and I, I hope that that was clear enough because... Uh, credit reporting, the more you know about it, the more you can get confused by it. Linda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Linda. Hi, Clark. Linda, you have, have been hunting around for homes on Zillow. What did you find? Well, I actually, um, the house next door to us is for sale, so I went on Zillow to kind of check it out. And then while I was doing um, a search, I plugged in my own address. And I noticed on the results, I was scrolling through, and it, it gave another site that said current residence at my address. And I clicked on it, and it brought me to a page on another website that had my name on it, but somebody else's name as a current address, and I have no idea who that person is. Okay, so in this case, let's go ahead and name site. So first, it was on Zillow. And Zillow's yeah. link referral took you to what site? Let's see if it's one I've heard of. It was called Spokio. Oh, okay. So Zillow must get a referral fee for who they send over. And then Spokio, you can then pay them for a deeper dive of information. And mm -hmm. that's how they make their money. So the databases that they're relying on may or may not be accurate. And so... Oh. Okay. If you started seeing a pattern of mail coming to your house with the name on it of whoever this UFO was listed at your address, that would be something to start maybe having some at least low-level concern about. But if it's just a Spokio thing that somehow picked up at your address that there was this name attached to it, I don't think I'd fret about that too much. How long have you okay. lived at your address? Well, that's just it. We've lived here for 15 years, and it actually showed past um, residents, and one of them was my son, and he was listed, and then it showed his address where he lives now. So this was just very strange to the, us. The, this UFO person something. was there. 
Yes. Any like, chance? How long person? has your house existed? Um, it was built in 1982. Okay, so it's possible. I mean, in the 38 years that that house has existed, you were there 15. It's possible this stray name at some point lived in that house or was a renter in that house or owner of that property. Okay. So unless, are you getting an email addressed to that name? No, sir, not yet, no. So I, until that would happen, I would say that there's probably nothing for you to worry about. I mean, there could be, I could go home today and read a story that says, oh, if you see this, that, or the other, you need to worry about uh, this happening. But I've, that's not on my radar at all, and I read way too much every day. Okay, thank you so very much. You put you put our concern a little bit more at ease. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, and hopefully that is just an innocent explanation, or again, it can be clerical in nature that okay. something would show on Spokio like that. Okay, thank you so very, very much. Sure, have a great day. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Think about that phrase again, so you can keep more of what you have. By the way, our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. You may be aware that I am obsessed with the idea of living on less than what you make, something that became so much a part of my life when I was a teenager and my father in a, a single income household my father lost his job, and suddenly there wasn't money for me to return to college. And that was one of those things that I thought my parents were really wealthy. They lived a fancy life, but I didn't realize they weren't savers. And when my father lost his job, the consequences were severe. Well, that having happened to me as a teenager... I think I was 19 at the time, 18 or 19, had massive impact. When I finished graduate school, I did something at age 21 or 22, I forget how old I was when I finished grad school, um, where I lived on every other paycheck. That's something I did right from the get-go where I saved half of what I made. And the benefits of that over the years were enormous, but it was because it happened to me at such an impressionable age that it made such a big difference. Americans historically have been just about the developed world's worst savers. Although lately, Americans have been saving much more money, typically saving people that have stayed employed through the pandemic, have been saving uh, 15% or more of what they make. Huge improvement, 1.5 over what Americans have typically done. But the greatest impact likely has been on people who got hit by the pandemic and the economic consequences that are in their 20s. That you think about what happens when you're young, you're just starting out, and you see people around you lose their jobs, maybe you temporarily lose your job, 
And it really makes it front and center that living on less than what you make isn't about 40 years from now. It's about right now and how important it is for you to always think that way, that you put money aside first before you spend the first penny each month so that you create more options, more opportunity, more security, and less anxiety in your life. Rebecca's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Clark. Thanks for talking with me. Certainly, Rebecca. How can I serve you? Well, my husband and I are looking to retire in about a year um, to Florida, which is several hundred miles away. And we're going down there at the end of the month. We kind of want to know what, I mean, we want to check out the area and see if we like Fort Myers and maybe look at some housing just to get some ideas and stuff. But I just wondered if we should have some sort of a plan in mind of how to get this all it just seems so overwhelming to just go so far away. And Absolutely. So I'm going to inconvenience you some with some of the steps I'm going to recommend. Are you, you're moving from the Midwest? Illinois. Yes. All right. So it's going to be a radical lifestyle change. Are you thinking of living year round in Florida instead of living in Illinois? Yes. Okay. And you, do you have a home in Illinois you're going to sell? We do. Our, our plan is to sell that first um, Good choice. before we go down and then maybe rent for several months until we're comfortable with the area and, and find something we really like instead of feeling rushed once we get down there to, to get something. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth that I would want you to rent. And what month of the year are you planning that you would relocate to at first Fort Myers? Um, probably late summer. Okay. If you can do it a little earlier in the summer, it might be to your advantage because when you get that far south in Florida, you're in off, off, off season and you can rent a place. And in Florida, the key usually is renting a place for seven months because of the taxes involved with a rental in Florida that you avoid once you trigger past a certain amount of time of rental. Mm -hmm. So if you can time it where you rent with you vacating by, let's say, December 15th before the season really kicks in, that would give you a good length of time to figure out first if the Fort Myers area is appealing to you. And second, it gives you time to go check out other areas Pick out Fort Myers is so spread out that it's also a matter of what part of that Southwest Florida area you find feels like home to you. Okay. And the great thing about Southwest Florida is that there's such a diverse makeup of pricing on housing, not so much on rentals, but on homes to buy. There's enormous price differences depending on where exactly you end up settling down in South Florida. So you've got a great bit of flexibility based on what your budget is and what kind of things you're looking for in a community. That's, that's one of the things that made it pretty attractive because um, some places like on the, on the panhandle, you know, is really kind of out of our budget. 
uh, to get something nice. And it looked like there was a lot of availability in Fort Myers at different price points. And that's why you need the months. I mean, a lot of months to really figure out that right cross-section of price and amenities and area that is where you're going to be happy. So I would really back up the seven months from December 15th next year and target on your lease starting then and giving yourself the luxury of time to figure it out. And if you still haven't figured it out after that lease, then just do another lease until you figure it out because there's always, because of all the absentee owners, there's always a massive amount of available rentals in Florida because there are so many absentee owners. Sean is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Sean, I understand some advice I've given about buying on Amazon is actually hurting you and you want to set the record straight. Is that right? Uh, I think that's a, a little bit stronger than where I was. Um, I, re- I wanted to reach out and I want to thank you for taking my call. Certainly. Uh, I, I am a third party. To- I sell toys as a third party seller on Amazon. Uh, I'm well connected in that field. I have a lot of friends who do multi-millions a year. And we hear a promo that you advise folks not to buy things from third-party sellers. And in some cases, that's correct. But there have been a lot of changes uh, going on. And if you would let me, I'd like to share them with you. Please, and in reference to that, you know, in a promo, it's only just a few seconds. The background on that is there was a lengthy investigation by the Wall Street Journal that was multiple columns over time about how many of the foreign sellers on Amazon's marketplace are selling either counterfeit goods or dangerous goods through the Amazon system. And many times they'll be listed as Amazon Choice, even though they haven't really been vetted by Amazon. They just sell a lot of volume. And the allegation is they're selling things that are dangerous to children. That is, and I remember the story, and that is correct. Here's how it's, it's very complicated. Amazon is its own animal. If you're looking for, like, take Mattel, Hasbro, those are some of the larger manufacturers. If you now want to sell on Amazon, you have to go through a test to make, you have to, like, basically pass a background check. In addition to it, you have to provide documents that only come from the manufacturers, Mattel, Hasbro, Lego, MGA. So you can't go on and sell Star Wars figures on Amazon today without going through, A, that background check to get on, and B, you have to provide documents from a Hasbro distributor. So they've changed that a lot. You are absolutely right on fakes and knockoffs. And here's the, the funny thing. Hasbro, Mattel, Disney um, do nothing about it. Microsoft, there actually are fake Minecraft figures on Amazon now that are very high sales ranks. And I actually wrote one of the legal de- uh, department people in Microsoft, never heard back from them. Uh, Disney does not watch its IP. Lego did last year. IP, for um, people who don't know, that's their intellectual property. Yes. Uh, so that would, yeah. you, have, um, you have two kinds of problems. You have knockoff products, which is, so like there's a, there's a knockoff Minecraft item called Enderman Toys. Those are not, they're not legitimate because Microsoft owns a Minecraft. And then you have all kinds of other issues. But Amazon has really changed and I'm not, I certainly, I'm not necessarily defending Amazon because they have their weaknesses, but 
it's a lot harder now to do that. And uh, Amazon, to their detriment, allows Chinese sellers. And it's very easy to tell you have a foreign seller. When you're looking on the main page, there's an add to cart option. They call it buy box. If you go right underneath that, it says new and used offers from. And you can see where the product's coming from. So it may just, we have, you can have items coming from India, Switzerland, England. And it tells you how long it's going to take to get there. But you have to look at that through the other buying options. You can't just, if you click the add to cart option, you may end up getting stuff like what you were talking about. So one of the things that may be a, a protection for yourself is someone that can deliver in a couple of days is what you're saying? Uh, yes. It's, I mean, it just depends on the items. Let's say you're buying uh, Star Wars figures. You can look on Amazon if the... Beginning a way to check this stuff very easily is if you're buying Star Wars figures, it says Star Wars, the movie out is Rise of Skywalker. So if the, if the title on Amazon says Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, and they're little right above the name of it will say Star Wars, that's what they call the brand by Star Wars or by Hasbro. You're probably buying authentic stuff. If you see a long run on title and it's a brand you've never heard of and it's shipping from China, yeah, that's probably not a good thing. Amazon has done a lot of internal things where you have to uh, enter things a certain way, otherwise the system won't let you sell it. So if it's a Fisher-Price item for, for babies, the title has to begin with Fisher-Price. It's kind of t- technical, and I don't even understand all of it. But Well, can I ask uh, you a Amazon- question? Sure. This information you're giving sounds like it would be really helpful to people do you mind writing this up and letting us know how you would recommend people protect themselves? Because, you know, I was just thinking through a lot of the counterfeit items do ship prime and people get them in a day or two and they've still bought a counterfeit. Would would it be something you could do that you could write up a little thing sure. for me that would explain this? I would really appreciate this because... With so many of the items on Amazon being sold third party, a majority of everything sold on Amazon, for people to know how best to spot a counterfeit would be really, really helpful. Hang on just a second so we know how to reach you later to get that from you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hello, sir. How are you? Great. Thank you, Chris. So you have how many children? I have four of them. That's a lot of children. It, it makes an interesting household. Right. How often is something going on and you call a kid the wrong name and then have to correct every, yourself? 
daily. So I have three kids, and they all make fun of me that I do that, that, that I'll I, turn to one they, of them and call them do. the wrong name. I just remind them that eventually it'll happen to them. <laughs> well, you want to do something nice for your kids, though, so they shouldn't be laughing at you or me. I do. On your site, you list Ohio's 529 plan as, as one of the better plans. My question, though, is in regards to that and having four children, should I have a, an individual 529 for each kid, or can I have a single 529 that I disperse for all four children? The book answer is you cannot. You have to have a plan for each child. But I'll tell you what a lot of people do if you've got some age spread between your children or among your children. Uh, tell me, um, are they stair steps or how close together uh, they're, in age? They're, they're 12, 8, 10, and 5. Yeah, so you would want four 529 plans. Okay. But, but you would tilt the money in them to the oldest child, where you'd give yeah. more to the oldest child, you said who's 12 and the youngest 12, is 5, 12. is that what you said? Yes, sir. So what people will do is they'll put more towards the oldest and kind of scrimp on the youngest because if the oldest doesn't need all the money, you can change the beneficiary designation in that 529 plan to any of the other three. But in your case okay. with 12, 10, 8, 5, is that what you said? You rattled that off pretty quickly. Yes, sir. Okay, so you would definitely want to have a 529 account for the uh, 12, 10, and 8. Because they're so close together, there will even be a point at which all three might be in college at the same time. True. So you have the option later with the five-year-old of just moving money to the five-year-old, not by moving the money, but by changing which what's the name of the child the money's for. Um, hypothetically, if, if I were to do that, could I, and say my two oldest graduated, could I convert two of them to that youngest child? You sure could. Great. Or you could, I mean, you could change, if the first two graduate and have money they don't need, you could change one of them to the eight-year-old and the other one to the five-year-old. I mean, you can do any kind of combination like that, and under most plan rules, once a year you can change that beneficiary. So you have enough flexibility to do it. If you don't want to deal with four plans. I mean, the advantage of not dealing with four plans is let's say one of the kids doesn't even decide to go to college. It's true. And so it makes it simpler if you, in your case, if you had more age spread among your kids like I do, you might only need two 529 plans. But in your case, you at least need three. Okay. And with the Ohio plan, you know, I had very specific recommendations where to invest the money in the plan. Yes, sir. Okay. So as long as you do that, you're going to be in really good, reasonably priced choices. Thank you very much. All right. Best to you. And um, I'm impressed that you can handle four kids that close together in age. <laughs> it's fun. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.